0: Anyway, it's, it's great to have Nat uh, preaching on, on this particular topic. I'm very excited because she lives, eats, and sleeps this. So, um, yeah, w- welcome, Nat, and we look forward to hearing what you've got to say. Thanks so much, Banger. Um, if you don't mind, can we just, I'd just like to open in prayer. God, I just thank you for this time together as your people, and I just really want to ask, Father, right now that you just flood this place with your spirit, that um, where my words may fail, God, your spirit would do a mighty work just flood this room and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Great to be with you all. And I just wanted to um, say something about that little phenomenal drummer, Ethan. That's my godson. Um, I'm his favorite person in the universe. And um, he has tried to run away from home before when we were living in Devon North. He went halfway down the hill to find me and got uh, swept up by his dad in the car. Um, But I just adore that kid. And what I'm just wanting to tell you today is that Ethan had to slay a massive giant to do what he did here. That little guy has struggled with anxiety over getting up and performing. And, and today was a monumental moment for him. So when you see him, just high-five his face or whatever you like to do. But just tell that kid that he's great. Because it was, it was just it was a huge thing to see today. And I'm so proud of him. And I'm so glad we could create space for him to do that. Okay, so today's week four of um, this Giants Must Fall And um, as we've said in previous weeks, um, all through the Bible, and, and in so many instances in the Christian faith, we look at this analogy of leaving Egypt and entering a promised land, and it, it has so many rich lessons um, for us to learn about our journey in faith. And um, really, where it starts, I think the key pinnacle moment in this whole incredible journey is um, with the Passover, where um, you know, they'd send all these plagues on Egypt and on Pharaoh, and eventually... God instructs the the people of Israel, the Israelites, to to put blood on their doorposts, and where he sees the blood of an innocent lamb, he spares those children, which are the Israelite uh, Hebrew children, and um, all the other firstborns get, unfortunately, taken out. But it is this moment that allows them to leave Egypt and to go towards the Promised Land, to leave slavery. And after that, we see miracle after miracle. We see the passing of the Red Sea. We see uh, manna from heaven, quail. We see uh, water from the rock. And there are just so many significant things that are faith-building for these people. And yet, we see time and time again that they get to a point where they would almost rather go back into Egypt. And this is so much the analogy and the symbolism of our faith journey, that even though we have these tests and experience of freedom, we get to a point where it's so difficult that it's almost tempting to just go back into our Egypt and into our slavery. So um, we, we heard also how um, in the second week how they arrive now at the promised land and they send spies out to go and survey the land. And um, we see something quite powerful happen there. There are 10 spies who go in and come out and give the most ghastly report. And they just say, if we go in there, we all toast. Because there are these massive giants and we're goners. And then you get two who go in and come out with a completely different report. And what, what we see happening there is that the 10, we're comparing the giants to themselves but the two were comparing their giants to God, okay? And had we been swept up with the ten, we would probably have just wound our way somewhere back to Egypt. But had we been a part of those two, we would have been a part of that group of people who moved forward into the promised land, slayed the giants, and inherited the promised land. So today is about tribe, and it's about picking your tribe, choosing your tribe, being in a tribe that will help you to move into the promised land. Now, when I think of tribes, and I think when we all think of tribes, we know that there are common characteristics, there's a language, sometimes a religion, practices, a sense of belonging, and and typically something that makes it clear that they are different. And I think that um, the word was originally used by groups to describe uh, when the Western explorers bumped into people, they just called them tribes. And um, for me, and maybe some of us, when we think of tribe, we have these images of, of bones in the hair, and loincloth, and drums, and... Um, dancing on a fire and all those kind of things. Um, but that traditional notion has certainly changed over the years. And there are now today modern tribes within society that I think some of us are a part of and some of us can resonate with. Um, so let me explain a little bit. And um, at the risk of sending you over the hills, because some of you may not know this, but I was um, for a brief period of my life involved in the Gothic tribe. And, um, and they have a language, and I'm going to share with you some of the language. Don't worry. Not the dark stuff. You're all safe. Um, but one of the things would have been there's no such thing as too much black eyeliner. Um, another hot topic of discussion was how do you get your blacks to match? This is a big thing in the Gothic world. In fact, they invented a washing powder to help with this very problem. Have you seen it? It's like washing powder for blacks, for black colors, right? You see, these are black jeans, and this is a black top, but they don't match, do they? This is forbidden in the Gothic world. They must match. It's a big thing. Um, another language thing that was typically thrown around was don't let them see you having fun. Just don't ever allow that. Um, our practices were dancing around morbidly like weeping willows to very sorrowful, mournful music. And our sense of belonging was strong. If we bumped into each other in broad daylight, which is un- it's not common to be out in broad daylight, but if we did, no smiles, just a, you know, a nod, a solemn nod. See, I see you, my fellow. Um, Now, in preparing for today, I chatted to a few people um, who uh, are considered to be part of tribes or have been a part of tribes that we see quite commonly today. So um, there's the running tribe, okay? And um, they say things like, oh, hit the wall, and "carb load used to be a thing, and go till you blow, When your legs can't run anymore, run with your heart. And they have these things that they rally themselves along with. Their dress code is disturbing. Um, (laughs) Shorts are typically shorter than they should be. Um, Plasters over there. Yeah. For very long runs, (laughs) it's advisable to have plasters in unusual places. Um, They have an affinity for Vaseline and nappy rash cream and early mornings. And they meet very, very early and they're in clubs. Okay. Then we get the cyclists. And their language is things like slipstream, they shave their legs and anything else that could interfere with the slipstream. They wear very, very tight clothes, congregate early in the mornings, and typically have coffee after the exercise. Um, And then there's the spearfishers, who like to call themselves the spiros. And um, I was literally told that there was nothing I could repeat that they say that is kosher enough to say in church. Okay, the only thing is this, what's the viz like? That's the thing, like, what's the viz? Okay, they wear wetsuits that are applied with soapy water at 4.30 in the morning, and they travel in packs of two, at least two. Um, they, They feel that they're a little bit superior to other tribes, because they feel that they typically have something to show at the end of their time together, and they'll proudly, maybe smugly say that it's calories out, calories in, you know, they're... They have a good vibe going there. If you've been part of a cooking tribe, then our thing is you can never use too much butter. Um, rugby tribe, I play rugby. What's your superpower? Uh, the fishing tribe, you never wish them good luck. You say tight lines, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, the hockey tribe, whew, here's a ghastly bunch. Um, okay, so this, this bunch, sorry if you are one. Um, But run around after a little ball bent over with a stick, and they say things like, if he comes from the wrong side, put him in the hospital. (laughs) This is real. This is real. If you have a child in hockey, please consider taking them out quite soon. Because there were many other things that also couldn't be repeated in church that the hockey crowd say. and then there's another tribe that many of us, some of us, have been a part of for many years, a Christian tribe, and we say ridiculous things like, he brought it, and that's referring to the preacher saying something good, or hashtag blessed, <laughs> um, or oh, we just love doing life together, and we say these ridiculous things that I think to people on the outside, they maybe aren't so appealing, and we think they are, but maybe not. Um, We have people who are tribes based on the schools that their kids go to, or the estates that they live in, or the sports that they do, and they talk and think a certain way, but basically what has them in common and what keeps them together is um, a sense of things in common, and and, um, they have enough in common that they're not scary to each other. That's really how, how these tribes kind of form. Back in the Bible, in Genesis 49, we hear about the tribes of Israel and basically Jacob, who was renamed Israel, um, is on his deathbed, and he gets his 12 sons around, and he prophesies over all of them, and he tells them what each of them would do. Some of them are awful, because some of them had done some really beastly things, but um, some of them, he, he sets them a destiny, and, and he prophesies over what they and their family, the bloodline, their tribe will become, and some of them um, will become uh, you know, kind of warriors, and some, the, the tribe of Judah are going to become the land that actually Jesus comes from. Some become uh, the tribe of Asher, which means happy, are all into food, and they are still olive groves from the tribe of Asher. And um, so Israel prophesies over these tribes of Israel, and, and so they step into a destiny. So I think what we can say about tribes is that there's always a sense of belonging, and there's something that marks a tribe. Um. And they are synonymous with togetherness, unity, and having each other's backs, unless maybe they're cannibals, because they might literally have each other's backs. Um, But yeah, I think when when looking up around tribes, I came across some really cool memes, and I just wanted to share them with you, because I think some of these can make even the most individualistic people kind of be tempted to get stuck into a tribe if they aren't already in one. So... Uh, The first is, when you find people who not only tolerate your quirks, but celebrate them with glad tidings of me too, be sure to cherish them, because those weirdos are your tribe. And then there's, find a group of people who challenge and inspire you and spend a lot of time with you, and it will change your life. And then this one's very inspiring. It says, be around... The light bringers, the magic makers, the world shifters, the game, the game shakers. They challenge you, break you open, uplift you, and expand you. They don't let you play small with your life. These um, heartbeats are your people. These people are your tribe. Sorry, there was like a font three. And um, as Paul Taylor likes to say, you know something is true because of a font. Okay, and these things have been made with beautiful fonts and actually the time has been and the effort has been given to turn them into a meme, so they must be true. Um, I think we all have a deep desire. I think what, what these these sayings allude to is that they tap into that thing inside of us that we all have this desire to know and be known, that uh, we want to meet people's needs and we have needs that need to be met. And that's what we clearly here in, in the way these things are written and how they're phrased. But as nice as those kind of things are, and as much as they make us want to kind of run out and find ourselves a tribe, I think there is something that's a little bit troubling about them. You see, they kind of communicate to this modern-day phenomenon of us finding perfect people who are going to be just like us, and they're going to get us to be where we need to be and we'll, we'll find them. And um, the truth is, um, you might find them and they don't actually like you or they already have enough friends and don't need you. But back, back in days gone by, before this uh, phenomenon of social media, Our tribe was just kind of given to us. It was our family and it was the people who lived in close close proximity and they were just the people on our doorstep and we didn't have a lot of choice in who they were. They were there and um, we know that God says that he gives us a place and he positions us and he places us with people, with people who are maybe quite unexceptional, quite average, some maybe amazing, but he puts us there and he wants us to be a part of that and work with that. He planted us. And he claims to have put us in a time and a space. So the worry about those kind of statements is that it can lead us to kind of feel like we have some control over who our tribe will be. And yes, there is certainly, we can decide who we will and won't let into our lives, but I don't think we can just kind of go out and determine that I'm going to gather these exact people around me. You see, what it also speaks to is that it's, um, it's based on how people will make me feel, and how I will make them feel. And that's dangerous because that is actually codependency. And the very best relationships are ones that are not based on what the other person is to, to one another, on, on who the person is or what they can give us that we feel we need. The best relationships are actually where there is something so much more There is an interest in common. There is a shared purpose, a shared destiny. What happens when there's a couple who have um, no greater purpose or no greater meaning in life is that they'll completely just focus on the kids, and they'll make the kids the absolute be-all and end-all, and then the kids leave home, and then they're left with each other. So then they're like, now what? And so then they'll get swept up in hobbies, and then uh, maybe a bit old for hobbies, and then it becomes travel, and those things are all good. But the thing is that they can't be the only thing. And relationships that are going to thrive and work well aren't just based on what I need from you and what I get out of you. They're based on us having something that is a shared, exciting purpose, something that resonates deep inside of us, that we are moving towards, that is bigger than us. So this quote, I think, gets us a little bit closer to the truth, and it's from a Canadian author, um, Daniel Laporte, and it says, healthy tribe isn't about sameness, it's about resonance. It's about something that's deep inside of us that we all resonate with and we go, we want to be a part of that and we can look different and we can be different, but this thing is important to us. So in the faith world, there's a saying that says, blood is thicker than water, but spirit is thicker than blood. And certainly when it comes to issues of faith, I find this to be completely true. So whilst I acknowledge utterly that God will strengthen us and guide us and move us along this journey... I truly believe I really do believe that it's the people around us that will help us to stay the course to help us to stay in this constant movement of leaving our Egypt and walking ever increasingly into what the promised land looks like. And not only do we need to be in a tribe, but there is a tribe that needs us. This isn't just about us having our needs met or us ticking a box. It's about the fact that there is a group of people who's waiting just for us to fill in what we've been designed to do. So today is about recognizing that a spiritual tribe is something that God deeply wants for us. Because he wants us to be surrounded by people who can share in our victories and remember our triumphs, who are governed by the same king, by the same principles, and are all after heaven's perspective that our destiny in God is tied up together in being a part of a tribe. Now, for some of you in the room, you're going, yes, yes, yes. You've possibly encountered the joy, the encouragement, the strengthening of being in a spiritual tribe. And for some of you, as I'm speaking, there could be a deep pain associated with this because you've wanted to be in a tribe and for whatever reason, that hasn't been possible. Um, It maybe hasn't been easy. For some of you, you are so fiercely independent that you think you don't need a tribe They would slow you down and complicate things. And um, that's true. I just, I think I've told some of you this. I remember, you know, people, people are really difficult. Let's be honest. You know, where where people are, there's pain and stuff. And I worked with this woman who was a complete and utter saint called Marlene. And we were having this uh, staff thing called a staff probe. It sounds very uncomfortable. It really is. But um, she said, um, you know, they, they said Marlene, and she really was like a saint. Marlene, how do you enjoy your job? And she said, I love my job. I just hate the people. And we were shocked. We were like, what? I mean, she wasn't really being serious, but she just said her job would be in ministry. It would be so much easier without people. Well, then it wouldn't be ministry. But anyway, um, you know, people are complicated and messy, and sometimes um, the reason we want to be so independent is because we've been so deeply disappointed and let down by people. Maybe some of you are new here. Maybe you haven't even decided to embark on this faith journey, like you're not convinced that Jesus is the way. And, and that could make you feel like you don't know if you can belong in such a tribe. And I just want to say, wherever you are on that journey, if you're here, there's something about the person of Jesus that you want to know more. And we're all on a journey. And um, in this place, you can belong before you believe. It's all about an acknowledgement of this person of Christ and where do I fit in with him. So my prayer is that every single person after today would know that the greatest thing for your faith journey is to be in a tribe. Okay, so enough of the babble. Let's see what God says about all of this. And there's three main things that I want to talk about today with regards to tribe. And the first is this, that a tribe should cause you tension. That's not nice to hear, but it's true. A tribe should cause tension. If it's comfortable, it ain't a proper spiritual tribe, I'm sorry to say. There has to be some push and some pull and some ugly stuff and some wrestle because that means that there's movement and growth. The second thing is that your tribe should be on a trajectory. And, you know, the wider trajectory of a a church body like this is that we're all moving towards the promised land. It will look different within subgroups and smaller uh, little tribes within the big tribe, but that's what's happening. And the third thing is that a tribe should leave a legacy. Okay, so I'm going to dive into this fairly well-known piece of scripture now. And this is really, I'm referring more to the church, but it's God giving us a picture of how our relationships work and what we could show the world about relationships. So I'm picking up here from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Okay, so what this last bit is saying, so we all share one spirit, is that if you're a Christian, and like I said, I don't expect everyone here to be that, but for those who are spiritual believers, if we could take a look at what we're made up of here, we would see that some of it is different, as it said in the script text, and some of it is the same. If we were, and I'm sorry, forgive me, because now I've, I've spoken about cannibals and now I'm talking about something else that's a bit disturbing, but if we were to like be able to do a scientific experiment and cut through us and have a look at what's there, we would see so much difference. Um, we would see different um, uh, happy and sad, different chemicals that make us up, We would see um, different passions, different backgrounds, different gifts, different preferences. There's so much that makes us unique and different. But if we were to somehow be able to take a, a look at the spirit inside of us, that is the same. That spirit that puts us together, that spirit that revived us from being dead and lifeless beings, that spirit that resurrected us and that has given us new power is the same. That spirit inside of us is that thing that we got when we left Egypt. The thing that unified the, the, spirit, the, the tribes of Israel was their leaving Egypt. The thing that unites us in spirit today is us leaving slavery. It's stepping into the new thing of God, and that spirit is the same. But the makeup, the chemical makeup, our interests, our passions, our gifts, everything else about us is different, and it's utterly important that it is different. And it's important because when you become a Christian, you get saved, but you come in with a whole lot of old stuff, okay? You come in, some of it with bad stuff. Some of you come in having um, been very into the spiritual world, and you may have, you know, been really, really fascinated by horoscopes or gone to fortune tellers or mediums or whatever, and you come in and you, you kind of find yourself in this new place with this new spirit that defines you, and you, you can kind of feel like, oh, I need to just you know, uh, divorce myself from that. But no, the awesome thing is you come in with that and it can't stay like that, but God will redeem it. For those of you who've hungered with spiritual eyes before coming to Christ, now that you're in Christ, you get to shift those eyes and let those eyes be taken over by God and use them for things of the Holy Spirit. You get to use them to prophesy and to to be an intercessor and to see the spirit realm and to partner so powerfully with God, so it's not a case of coming in and throwing away the, all the old. It's about coming in and going the old that was out of the spirit of God. I would like that redeemed to work in the spirit of God, and that's what makes us all work together so beautifully. You know, some of some people will come into, into the the world of, of of believers, and they've been complete and utter sharks in the in the business world, and they've been competitive, and they've, you know, done deals and broken trust and done all sorts of things to get ahead and make money and reach a bottom line and get a target and they come in and they feel shameful and they feel that they need a complete personality overhaul in order to enter into what God has for them and that's not true you need to bring all of that bright thinking and all of that stuff that was used dysfunctionally and may have hurt people and lost trust and go God I want that stuff that stuff that you wired me to think in those sharp and shrewd ways I want those to be rewired to be redeemed to work in your kingdom and I need a tribe around me to hold me accountable to that And then there's this next thing. So remembering that we're holding, uh, we're holding fast to the most important truths. We were slaves, now we're free. We were in bondage, but we are no longer. And so moving on here, it says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body was an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. So, Paul is stating that although we're we're wired for similar, we have this thing to just crave those who are around us are the same, it is absolutely and utterly essential that we have diversity within us. If we were all the same, we would never get to see our blind spots. It is by associating ourselves with different and other and people wired differently and from different cultures and backgrounds that we actually get to have our blind spots that we can actually grow and move and have our perspectives shifted. What we can also never do is say to somebody else in the body, I don't need you, because we actually all need each other. What we can say is, I'm not sure that I've quite figured out yet how I need you, but I know that there is something. The next thing is this. And this really speaks to the trajectory part. So the first part is the tension. It's that allowing for the old to come in and be redeemed. It's all of us having grace for that process. It's about recognizing that we absolutely and utterly, in a body of unified people, unified by spirit, we have to have diversity. We have to not just make ourselves comfortable with our sameness, but we will grow and extend ourselves by being in a diverse group, people, and really digging into people who are different from us. So now we speak to the trajectory part, and it says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable, part, honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put together... The body, such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for one another, for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Likewise, God did not bless us all to have the same gift or talent or to work in the church. We all have uniqueness about ourselves, but as believers in Christ, we are all one body in Christ. So, thinking of the trajectory part, right? Here we are, we've left Egypt, and we've been moving to the promised land. And as humans, I think that we can get so stuck on things that are not going to serve us as we're moving in that direction, And one of the things that is going to hinder us the most is this whole concept of fairness and of us really wanting to have our moment in the sun or to feel like we wish we could do that part of what this journey looks like. And this part of scripture speaks so beautifully to the fact that we're in this together, no matter what we're moving forward, there are some people who will get great honor, there are some people who won't. There are some people who will be able to do things that it seems unfair, things that we've wanted to do that we just don't. There are those who are going to be in mourning, who we need to come around. There going to be those who are having massive victories and triumphs that we need to come around. But if we're going to get stuck on what's fair and what's not fair and be governed by that, it's such a, a lesser thing to love. Um, you know, love is a far greater goal than fairness. And so we need to be able to, as a people, put aside this God of fairness and go, we're moving forward. And when things don't look fair and when I'm frustrated about what this one gets to do or what that one gets to do or what I'm not getting to do, we've got to submit that to God and share it with somebody, talk about it, but don't let that make a hard heart about the fact that as a tribe, God will get us. He will move us along and we all just have some imperative role to play some of us will look weak some will look strong some will take limelight some will be behind the scenes but it doesn't matter we're here for love and we had to move on the journey and our trajectory is the most important thing not what we get to do within that i just remember a time when my dad was so utterly ill and um we were just stumbling around in the desert and my dad was at that point not a believer And um, he was just absolutely and utterly blown away by what he saw in our tribe. He just saw people arriving, meals arriving, Children arriving when I didn't even know where they were, just, you know, people just seeing my kids standing and fetching them and bringing them and dropping them. And there was just this incredible tribe that rallied around us. Um, A friend of mine who was a doctor, he would just come and sit with my dad and write him scripts for what he needed. And there was just love poured out by our tribe. And I just remember that being such an absolute testament to my dad. And I know that not everybody has gone through hard things and have had access to that tribe. But really, that's what God wants for us. As we're moving forward in something that is sometimes deeply painful, there is a tribe that can come around you. But they're not going to do that if you don't allow them to do that. If you don't be one of those people who puts the line in their sand and says, I want to know and be known. I want to be vulnerable. I want to allow people in. And I want to be there for when people need me. I also have a very good friend who has recently lost a loved one and um, this woman is such an incredible gift in my life and it's, it's a woman that I really feel one day God said, this woman is gonna be a part of your life and it was such a significant moment and, and there's been a, a time of her, her pain and her stuff that she's been wrestling with and where I've been trying to care for and love her, I've been so amazed that as she grapples with her tragedy and her loss and everything that's been so hard and where God fits into it all, that she has brought me on such a journey of, of really digging into things and tackling truths and facing some things that I find uncomfortable. In her effort to understand and reconcile things over this journey that are so difficult and work out what's our responsibility and what's God's, I have been swept up in a massive uh, growth conversation. And, and that's what I love about tribe as well, is that we get stuck in there thinking that we're needed, but what realizes realize is that we need that person so much. And so often the thing that we're going in to address and to help will actually serve us so much more than what we were getting out of it. And there's this beautiful tension within the trajectory of just pitching up and saying, I'm here for this forward motion and being amazed at how blessed you are, um, even as you think you're pitching up to serve somebody, you have no idea how much even doing that will serve you. So the last bit is that it's clear we need a tribe that is going to offer us some tension. It's clear that we need a tribe that is going to be forward moving and continuously going out of Egypt into the promised land. But the last thing, it has to have a meaning. It has to have a legacy. There has to be something that is greater than just we're getting together as a bunch of people. Something that speaks to the unseen. Something that speaks to victories that we can't yet see. And I'm going to take us to Hebrews now. And what we see here is this uh, piece of scripture which is speaking to the heroes of our faith. Speaking to guys about guys like Abraham and Joseph. And these guys all died believing in something. But not actually seeing the promise in which they had believed. They saw it from a distance. But their faith never, st- uh, never stopped. It never wavered. So in Hebrews 11... All these died, all these people died, still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, what I want to say is that we can expect much of the promised land on this side of eternity. We really can inherit much of what God wanted for us, but Christianity is not some pie-in-the-sky thing that goes, when we die, we'll get it. There is so much to inherit on this side But if we're part of a tribe who expect to see it all on the side of eternity, we're going to get hurt. We're going to be deeply disappointed, sorely disappointed, and it is this that can actually lead to people having their faith shipwrecked. So what we need to get comfortable with is that we will continue to move in that direction, and we will see many victories, many triumphs. We will slay many giants. We will never stop moving in that direction. But because we don't get all the happy endings, that will not stop us from continuing to move. There are some happy endings that we won't get to see. As the fathers of our faith, they they could see it in the prophetic. They knew that it was promised, but they never saw it in their lifetime. Do you think that would have stopped them? No. Can it stop us? No. I'm quite happy to promise in front of you and to hope that you would promise the same that we Always keep moving forward, knowing that we will slay giants and have triumphs, but that some of the victories we fight for today, only our children will get to stand on the shoulders of those victories. And that needs to be okay. It needs to be okay that we go, our line will end here, but the people who come after us will not fight those things we fought. They'll stand in a new position because of what we fought, and they are starting that much closer to a promised land. God is saying, aim at this, trust me. Some of you will inherit it now. Some of you will inherit some of it. Some will inherit a little bit. Some will inherit a lot. Some, none of it. For some of you, just seeing in the prophetic needs to be enough. But together as a tribe, there is an ongoing movement and all of us will see some of it. So today I want to say, let's be a part of a tribe that together will always choose Faith over fear. They will always choose the promised land over Egypt. As hard as it is and as tough as it is and we face those things and it's tempting to just go back to what we knew, we can never go back there. And it is being a part of a community of people united in the Holy Spirit that will not allow that to happen. There are people in this room who are healers, yet they might not even see their own healing. There are prophets who might never get to see what God showed them. But we're all here and we're moving forward in faith. If we think of that picture of the body, there are some in this room who are intercessors. I know that some of you are wired to pray and to do warfare in the spiritual realm. And I'd say that you are the eyes of this body. There are some of you who are healers. And I think I would say that you are the hearts of this body. There are some hands and feet. I think of our incredible Wangu tribe of people here who are hands and feet in the community of Wangu. They are out there getting their hands and feet dirty. There are some of us who are the tongue of this body, our worshipers and our teachers. And I want to say, if you're a worshiper and you aren't up here worshiping, please, for the love of God, would you Just come and do it, because I get some scary voice auditions on my phone. There are people in here who think that they can be on the worship team, and they sing songs to me, and it's terrifying. It's the stuff of nightmares. So if you have a worship gift, I really want to encourage you to step up, like little Ethan did, and get up here, and let's have more people worshiping. Do you know what happens when you are around people committed to a goal? When you actually say, I want to know and be known when you get a group of people who are thinking about exercise, you are so much more likely to get stuck into exercise if you're in a tribe of exercises. If you're trying to struggle with an addiction, you are so much more likely to get help and to conquer that addiction when you're with a tribe of addicts. If you are thinking about pushing your limits, you need a tribe around you who will hold your arms like they did for Moses when things get so hard. We are better together. I just think of this amazing Kiara story. You know, there's a tribe that rallied around at a massive level because they opened their story up to social media. But this massive tribe who, who got gathered around this family in their time of need. And I would say that every single one of us has benefited more from what we saw happen in faith for that child's life. All of the tribes have got different callings. So we've got this tribe of Olive Tree Church, and within this tribe of Olive Tree Church, there are some of you who need to step into healing, some who need to step into the prophetic, some who need to step into teaching, some who need to step into care. Not at all am I saying that our gifts are here just to serve what happens here on a Sunday. That's just the beginning of it. There is so much more beyond these walls that all of us need to step into. But what I want to say today is start by getting stuck into a tribe Sign up for a life group, get stuck in, let people around you identify that thing that you are in our body and start using it, operating it. It is the most life-giving thing. You think it's to serve others, I'm telling you it'll serve you deeply when you get to see the part that God has laid aside just for you to be in this body. I just think back to those tribes, you know, some of them were uh, the tribes who who were defenders. And imagine if the defenders in the tribe of Israel had just said, we're not going to defend anymore. Then you would have had the tribe of Asher, the foodies and the farmers trying to defend Israel. Like you actually get the wrong people, like the wrong singers up here doing the wrong things when people don't step up and do what God's called them to do. And I know that God is so wise and so clever and so creative that he puts together exactly who is needed to lead a community forward. So today, don't let anything stop you from knowing that you need to be in a tribe and more than that, that a tribe needs you. And if you want to stay out of Egypt and continually move towards a promised land, get yourself stuck into a spiritual tribe. Won't you please stand with me as we close in prayer? Father, I just want to thank you today that each of us is called by you to be in this place today. And some of us are a part of this family. Some of us aren't. Some of us are part of another family. But God, we believe that you're a God who places us in a tribe. And today we want to just promise to to step more into the tribe that you've placed us in. God, we recognize that there are giants for us to slay and that we will slay them so much better together with all of our gifts coming to the table and serving what needs to be done. God, I just lift up anyone in this room who hasn't made a commitment to you, who hasn't yet um, invited your Holy Spirit and, and, and somebody who's just potentially aching to be a part of a spiritual tribe. And if that is you, if you realize today that you want to be a part of this new tribe with, with a new spirit that gives you powerful life and godliness, I just ask that you just, just lift your hand and let me know if there's anyone here that would like to take that step out of Egypt and into a promised land. Thank you. Father, today we just know that all of heaven celebrates when one person steps out of Egypt and takes a step, a bold step of faith into the promised land. We know that today all of heaven celebrates that. And as a spirit tribe today, we celebrate that. God, I thank you that you have called us to be a tribe of people who will not shy away from tension that we will allow tension to grow us, to mold us, to show us our blind spots and ever be moving forward in bold steps. I thank you that you've placed us on a trajectory, God, that you have great things for this community to burst way beyond these walls and what we do on a Sunday into our world and our environment, to have us running hard in our lands, empowered by your spirit, God, using our unique gifts and talents. And I thank you, God, that we are a people united, not just by our need for each other, but God, by our our cry out to you and the fact that you need us to show heaven in this world. We thank you, God, that we will all see victory. We may not see complete victory on the side of eternity, but God, we will never stop moving forward. And we thank you that people will stand on our victories. And we ask today, God, that you would help us to take steps into your freedom, that we would invite people into your freedom, and that we would do it every day for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.